Hang on a sec. Just recording a podcast. It's called the Boost Monitors Podcast. Give me a sec. The Boost Monitors Podcast. This is the Booth Monitors Podcast. I am your host, Jared Banyan, and welcome back to another episode recorded during lockdown. I actually think I'm going a bit crazy in isolation. When will this end? I suppose it gives me plenty of time to make these podcasts, so it's not all bad. Maybe when lockdown ends, I'll actually get some mates and stop making podcasts in my spare time. Who knows? Seriously though, no, I am loving recording these podcasts uh, and I would absolutely love to hear from you if you are enjoying them. Like I said, I do need mates, so get me on Instagram, it's at gmanion underscore. I'm also on TikTok on the same handle, at gmanion underscore. I want a voyage to make TikTok a place for more than just dancing teenagers. God, that makes me sound so old. I'm 26, I'm still in touch with life, alright? Hit subscribe so you never miss another episode of the podcast and leave a review. Only if you like it. If you don't, please keep your thoughts to yourself. Thank you. So Sam Gerling is part of this new breed of UK house music producers, just bubbling above the surface of BBC Introducing and getting some big Radio 1 support from Annie Mac and Jaguar. He's one of the soundest guys you'll meet and even ordered a microphone especially for the podcast. That is commitment to the cause. If you're a fan of his and that's what brought you here, then welcome along. If you're hearing him here for the first time, then remember the name. This guy has got talent. Here is his newest track called You Better Repent. Do yourself a favour and for the next 30 seconds or so, crank up the headphones full blast. This is an absolute chill. lockdown it's kind of opened the world of zoom and it's opened like video call thing you know it's made it acceptable but like it there's always a problem with it <laughs> that is the downside yeah like my uni it's all online now but yeah and i thought it would be horrific because it's you know yeah. it's a music course i want to be there i want to yeah. see what the teacher's doing but i've actually really enjoyed it and there's been minor there's been minimal technical errors so Oh, uh, well, I was going to say, like, how every class there must be somebody or the teacher or somebody ends up on mute or 100%, something goes yeah, on. yeah. I think the last lesson, our um, teacher was like, someone in the class was like, oh, yeah, I got a text from one of the student. He's he's locked out. <laughs> so there's an error coming <laughs> yeah. up every time. So there's that every time, but it's all right. That's it. On the face of it, it seems great, you know, Zoom yeah. call and all. But... It would be nicer if we were, uh, if I was, where, are you in Bedfordshire, is it? Bedford, yeah. In okay, my, okay. Well, yeah, house, yeah, with my parents. So yeah, it, it would be, it would be better if we were conducting this interview over, I don't know, a pint in Bedford. Oh, yeah. Pint, Something yeah. like that. But anyways, we, we crack on. Um, So you're in uni, what, and it's obviously a music production course, is it, or? Yeah, um, three years, uh, music production and sound engineering at Point Blank music school 
of it, yeah, in the Shoreditch area, and yeah, so I just I'm in the second year of that now, and it's all going well. What what kind of stuff does that involve? Is that how you learned to produce in the first place? Uh, no, I think I started about producing about four years ago, and then I think obviously I had to pick uni and the course to do and stuff like that. And I think I just really wanted to do music, and I, music wasn't great back then, so it took quite a bit of convincing for parents, for my parents. You know, suddenly I'm doing like psychology was the way for me, sort of. Oh, that was what I enjoyed most in A levels, and then just imagine turning around going, "I just want to do music at uni." <laughs> They're like, "What?" <laughs> and so I how guess, did they react? Uh, they were at the, at the start. They were just like, "Come on, like." common sense like just don't there's no but then as the music just kept going on they saw how passionate i was and some stuff started slowly happening they were like yeah 100 go for it support you all the way so i think part of it is um can be a generational thing as well like nowadays it's, it's a lot more achievable not no no i don't say that it's not achievable but it's just you can start putting out music on soundcloud like you did and start to build something exactly yeah and it's uh yeah it's a different era i'd say and the parents are very like they're yeah like you say take the sensible approach yeah i mean well when i wanted to go to the uni i didn't have anything like really out there in in terms of what i'm doing now it wasn't the music i was making then it was just random loads of random stuff and so that's probably why they were hesitant there was no support or anything but it just you know just continued to grow what about the the, the uni culture at Point Blank? Because it's um, I presume it's quite small, small class yeah, and stuff like that. It's tiny. There's two buildings. There's the what the main building, which they show in like all the ads, you know, because it's the prettiest building. Yeah. And then there's a one like ten minute walk. Is away, there a hidden one is, that's just a shed? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, you just walk through and yeah. But no, they're both all right. And like I said, I don't I don't live down in London, so I commute there. So I wouldn't say I'm really like know the uni life i have a few friends there but i don't really hang around there too much but it is really different to a normal uni because it is so small i guess often uni is a great place to like often uni is a great place to build on that because you can get a following with the uni crowd you've got your core group of mates as it grows you'll get a core group of like students and stuff like that and you see a lot of dj careers span from that whereas you don't really have that I don't know. Do you feel like you're missing out on that network as such? I'd say the more like following on networking side has just come from really me being in clubs or just going out with music people like, you know, Tabasco. I went to Printworks with them that one night. And I said, that's where the more the social side I'm kind of getting. So I'm not really missing out too much on the uni life. You know what I mean? I kind of I like living in Bedford. It's quite just nice and easy. So. We, I actually, yeah, I, I, I did see you from a distance at Printworks. <laughs> meant, meant to come over and say hello, and then I just, I just didn't see you again. Then crazy, but nice. um, yeah, 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 that was right before it all kicked off for lockdown, right? Oh yeah, that was, if it was the following weekend or something. Literally the last weekend, yeah, yeah. But um, Jag, you're on a Radio One show. She kind of says that she was standing next to you when Annie played your track, and you just went a bit wild. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I think, yeah. I saw the night before I saw Annie's um um she was like making her set list and she posted it on her Instagram stories and I saw she had two of my tracks in there. I looked very closely, zoomed in, saw my name and then I met her at Printworks briefly. She said she's gonna play uh, Give It Up, which was, you know, sick and then for the whole night I was just listening out for it and it took me by surprise. I think I was talking to Jaguar and 
I think I was getting a drink or something at the time and I just heard it. I just died. I, died. I never run so quick. I just turned straight up. Because you're at a, a very particular point in your career, right? Where you're just like on the cusp. It's not yeah. quite your full-time job yet, but like the support has been great. You're definitely seen as that up-and-comer and and the things are looking to go in the right place. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's quite nice to talk to you about it because if you talk to someone who's maybe been touring for years... I think they forget those moments. They forget the moments that you're you're talking about there when you're in Printworks and and Animac plays your track and you hear it on on a, a big sound system in front of a large crowd. Like that feeling must be amazing. It's the it was the I think I didn't I didn't realize at the time, but I think that was the best night of my life because it all all the music stuff it all just it all came into one like it all just made sense and then and they didn't realize it to the next day because i didn't really get a great video of annie playing it because i was behind the you know the cages things they have at printworks around the back yeah they've kind of got like a separate so basically if you're if you're backstage at printworks you can't get onto yeah. the booth as such it's, there's like a sort of separate dance floor thing and then yeah. there's someone on the actual like main bit with annie and they, she took a video, and I didn't get it till like the next day, and it was like the clearest video right up front. I was like, "Oh wow, <laughs> that it did happen." <laughs> Here's a memory of it, and I couldn't stop watching that video the next day. So yeah, it was just amazing. Her, along with other sort of bigger names, they they support. They've been supporting your music for a while, haven't they? Yeah, near enough a year ago today. I think I released my first EP that got a bit of um, interest. That was on Swerve Digital, and. Um, and Annie played it at uh, Lost and Found, and then she played it on Radio One, and that's that's so yes, about a year. Annie's been supporting now, and oh, that was the first time I'd seen her play one of mine. The first time I met her, so yeah, that was all, all the first time. Because <laughs> the the support, like I say, the support has been has been pretty good. Do you know, like, how does it feel for you? You know, being in this point in your sort of career, weird. It's odd. It's nice, but it's it's a it's a nice overwhelming thing. If you know what I mean, because it's like every I think artists are so self-critical, and so when you see someone like Annie playing it or Cassius playing my tune that's coming out, it's just like you question yourself why are you playing it. But it doesn't make sense. If you know what I mean? Because it's it's just it's your song that you made, and well, I think once you've made a song, you're not really a fan of it because you've heard it so much. And so you forget that, like, that's the first time Annie's heard it. So they still, like, have that first spark when they hear a new song. So it's, a bit, it's just really weird to see such high people playing. It doesn't make sense, but I'm not complaining. <laughs> I'm not going to complain. Does it, does it take you back to the time that you made it, just sat in your bedroom? Yeah. And then suddenly you see it played on a big stage and it's just a bit surreal. 100%. I mean, Give It Up was the best example of that because... I just made it, I think, obviously over a few days, but it was a Friday and I sent it off to my manager. I was just like, I think I've, yeah, I've finished this one. And it was like, oh, sick. And then I think it's the quickest song I've ever had signed because Realm would just like straight away, we'll have it. And so it was about four months later from when it got signed, it was released. And so I'd sort of forgotten about just all of it. And it's been my best track yet in terms of like the reception. What did 
did you set out to do with your music career as such? Like, where did you want to go to with your career? Did you aspire to be uh, like a, a Jamie Jones or like a Patrick Topping or a, a Carl Cott, like these these world touring DJs? Like, like, is that what you aspired to, to have? Or was it a case of you just enjoy making music and so you want to make music? It was just a case of not wanting to do a like a normal job. Because I, I, I had a really like, obsess obsessive thing when I was like 15 16 of trying everything creative so I did like a little bit of art I tried to make one like, short film and then I tried like oh I guess I've got to try music now <laughs> that's the next in the line and then it sort of stuck it just like because I, I know that I, I'm, I do one painting or whatever then I'll bin it off and I'll move on to like let's try filming but so when I made the first ever song that was like dreadful I'd love to listen to it now but when I made that first one have you still I don't got think it? So. I mean, I got my old laptops <laughs> up in there. Debbie does. He just thought <laughs> my old it. laptops up there, <laughs> so I could find a charger and possibly get it up. I'm always fascinated by this stuff. Take Patrick Topping mm. or whatever. Wouldn't you love to hear what their first recording was? That's what I've that's what I've tried to do before. I've gone on SoundCloud and I've been an artist I've loved and I've just like I've like they can't be that good all the time. So I've gone I've gone on their SoundCloud, gone all the way back and you know, most often than not, they've deleted their old stuff like I have. <laughs> and so yeah, just Bury it. wipe it away. <laughs> Didn't happen. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And and that's the stuff that st- that made it out there. So if you could imagine even a step before that, the stuff that made it before they first made it to SoundCloud and beat Oh more. man, yeah. I mean, I I had a um you know Camila Cabello, the the artist, yeah. very popular. I think I remixed her Havana song like obviously on like, horrific stems I found offline online. <laughs> and I remixed it. I think it was the end of 2017 and it it was the quickest song I've ever made. It's dreadful. It's still on it's still on YouTube. It's everywhere. And it got 1.5 million plays on SoundCloud. And then it got deleted because of copyright stuff. But it's still on like loads of YouTube channels. The Camila Cabello, Havana, <laughs> Sound Good and Reboot. It's probably the biggest thing that like, um, when you speak to artists at, at sort of further on in their career, it's like the biggest thing that they speak about is burying their old music and that yeah. whole that whole mentality of not rushing things out. And I think it's always quite a positive sign um, in terms of like an industry standpoint. When you see an artist who you look at them, they're kind of brand new and you look at them and they've they've very meticulously planned out the type of artist they want to be. Like yeah. They know who they are. They know their sound and they've you know they've kind of built upon that yeah 100 percent. yeah i'm sure if you scroll back to some other artists they're making all sorts of crazy stuff like your camila cabello remix <laughs> <laughs> it was catchy because what what would you describe your sound your sound now i I'd just say house music really and i know it's such such a broad thing but i mean i say like um it's like sparks elements of acid in there as well but but i don't like to say that because it's not like I've got a 303 and like I'm really recreating like the authentic acid sound. I've got to just I really like acid and I've just made my own patches and I'm just running with them, if you know what I mean. So it's a house acid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Electronic. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's so broad, but yeah. Since starting to produce, you've gone on a, a journey to, to settle on the sound that you want to make, right? A million percent, yeah. I was making last, no, it wasn't last year, but when I, I think, 
two years ago, probably I was making like house music. I, was trying, I really loved Latin house. And so, you know, melee, I just loved all the melee stuff and I was trying to do stuff like that. But I realized it's so hard to like, cause you know, it's like tribal percussion. It's like, how do I recreate that? And so I, I think I made like five or so tracks and I just sat, I still remember sitting down one day and just thinking, I can't do Latin stuff forever. And so I think, yeah, it was 2018, from September to December 2018, I just done loads of tracks. I just went, hit got my head down and just went, right, let's just make what comes out. And I still got loads of those tracks that I'd probably like to release. But that was, I'd say that was the beginning of the foundation of what my sound is now. I just made yeah. loads of stuff and it all started to sound a little bit cohesive. And I was like, oh, I guess that's the beginning of my sound. Yeah. And so I've just progressed from there, really. And it's just following that route. And yeah, that's how I found that. Do you think that you need to go through a stage of getting inspired by something or someone trying to emulate it, but then in the meantime, finding where you sit on that sort of spe- spectrum? Definitely. Yeah. It's, I almost look back thinking how not unex- how unexperienced and uneducated it. Like, I just didn't understand the music industry or music. And so like, I'd be like, I'd think I'd make one song and I'd be like, right, let's get this signed to like, how like do you know what I mean how stupid that is when thinking back because you have to be an artist you have to get loads of unreleased tracks develop your sound but I was literally just like right I could make a I could make a commercial pop song and then I finished that and I'd be like mm-hmm. right so who wants to sign it <laughs> and so I think in terms yeah. of yeah I think you have to go through lots of loads of learning curves to really understand and get to where you want to be there's a more holistic approach to your brand as an artist or whatever in, in terms of like like you said if if you put out a pop track then where do you go where do you go for that? like is that what you want to do or you know is it another sound and it's very much you have to like find your way with 100%, that percent. yeah you know? i've got a pop song on my soundcloud i got a release in 2017 i remixed a um uh clara hurtado and um Benji and Cub and they were like they're still sort of like mates of mine I messaged them basically and was just I was really like their stuff and so I just remixed one of their songs and it was a pop song it didn't really have anything it wasn't really like there was no plan to me releasing it I just wanted to do it and it's you know it's still there and I'm sure if people listen to Give It Up or any song of mine and then go back to that kind of stuff and they're like what's he doing there (laughs) but obviously every artist progresses so it's difficult as well because you, you want to create as little boundaries as possible yeah, while, yeah, yeah. while still things making sense. So it, it's weird. Is it hard to find that middle ground? I mean, because like, I think there's some tracks I've produced that are unreleased and I've sort of realised when making them that I probably won't be able to release this for the minute. But I've like just, it's you know, this is what's coming out of me at the moment. So I've put it to one side. But then I've been making songs and the last week I finished one that felt felt very much like the stuff that's being released right now. And so I think it's a bit, it's a bit of a balance, you know. Just I'm still making everything that I make, but there's been some songs that are like a little more, just just a little bit different left field. And I thought I probably can't release these now, but you know, I learned, I've made a week making this. I've learned a few more processes, and so it's all worth it. Kind of taking it back to where you see yourself. You know, there there are some people that just like the production side, and they're not not into the touring, and they're not into that, and then and vice versa. What what do you aspire to to do? Um, take over the world. <laughs> no, um, fair. <laughs> well, yeah, no. I just want to. I don't know. Just 
I sort of just want to keep just really just really like hit nail in my production and just being so proud of everything that I put out and it's like I'm pretty proud of some stuff that I have out and some of like I'm not too proud of but so I think it's really just I just want to get that that sound you know nail on the head and um DJing in terms of DJing I've only I've had a few um big gigs I had quite quite some this summer but obviously it's been cancelled because of coronavirus <laughs> which isn't great and I think a long-term ambition would 100% be a live show because I've always like 100% my course at uni right now is about live performance so I've spent nine weeks effectively building like a really simple live setup and performance and so you know and I have all the time in the world now to practice with that and so I think that that would be something for the future, a live performance, stuff like that. And so what would that involve um, sort of instrumentation as well and vocalists or is it just, will it just be yourself? Uh, I think it'd just be myself with, you know, like all the gear that I've got recently, synths and drum machines and stuff like that. But I was I was joking with my um, a mate, uh, Janae, she's a singer. She's really good. And I think I went around hers, I think in February time. And we, we made like three or so songs together and... We were just laughing like in a few years I'm gonna have a, we're gonna have a live performance and you're gonna come on stage at Printworks and you're gonna sing it live and we're like maybe who knows one day, but that's that was that was dreaming big yeah. But given your reaction to like Annie playing your tracks and bigger DJs playing your tracks and you're so kind of questioning why are yeah. they playing my tracks <laughs> and obviously they're playing them for a reason in in that sense do yeah. you know because because they're good they're good enough for them to play it and they like it because i i know it's funny everyone's approach to their careers is, is super different and the industry is super different some people are just like they go at it and they know where they want yeah. to go and it's like in intense tunnel vision and others are not so much they just make music and they do it and i'm trying to figure out where you where you sit in all of that um know? i don't know <laughs> i'm maybe in a bit of a middle ground because it's yeah. it's just also excited i just want to make music and play if you know what i mean and i want people to yeah you know in the future know me and my i want my work to stand in time that people you know know notice that so i think that's just really the ambition just yeah. make the best music i can play the best music i can and just yeah just continue progressing with that are you happy with with how things are going and, and where things are where you're at yeah hundred yeah million percent i mean i can't i'm so lucky to think you know that a year ago I, it feels like a bit of luck that annie just picked up on that first ep and i i don't even know like where i'd be or what what would be happening if she didn't play that that first time a year ago i just i can't really see it because i didn't have much of a direction a year ago i was just I had loads of songs that i was making they all sounded the same and i was you know just frustrating trying to get people to hear it and support and then when she played it, it was like, okay, I've got an in now, like a foot in to the music. And so I was like, do not get your foot off the gas, keep pushing. And so since then, it's just been trying to like not fall out of whatever, whatever having an in means, but just trying to not fall out yeah. and stay, stay in it. and Relevant. Yeah, yeah. I guess. I hate that word, but yeah. <laughs> in these days, support from key tastemakers are, is essential, right? Because that's what will then put you on the radar of the broader community in terms of the industry and in terms of fans. Um, so yeah, I get what you mean. As in, you're just you're keeping 
keep it on top of things so you, you can feed it. You need to feed it, don't you? If there's a hunger free, you need to feed it. Oh yeah, and it's yeah. I think it's given me hunger as well. Inspiration, inspiration. It's like I can do this forever, so I'm gonna like do everything I can to do this forever. So it's it's like a cool response, you know. They give you a bit of inspiration, and you just play on that inspiration. There you have it, Sam Gerling. I'm fascinated talking with producers at that stage in their career when they're just starting to bubble, they're showing a lot of promise and they're getting some big support. I kind of feel like that interview will be one of those that I'll look back on in years to come. And I really do wish him the best because as you can tell, he is a top guy. Especially being so chilled about me playing snippets of his first ever tunes. A lot of producers will be kind of weird about that sort of stuff as they just want to bury them. But it really does give you an idea and a true reflection on the journey that literally most producers go through. So Sam, thanks so much to you for coming on. And next time we will record with a pint in hand. I can guarantee that. That's it for this episode. Hit subscribe and leave a review if you liked it or if you didn't. And I'll see you in the next one. Was that recording? I don't know if that was recording. Oh, for <laughs> f-